Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 199 of the podcast that was recorded on April 8th of 2018. Eric and I continue going over our top 100 board games, and in this episode of the podcast, we are discussing numbers 40 to 21 in our top 100 games as we're leading up to episode 200 of the podcast. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 199 of the podcast, and as always, well, as of recently, we have Eric back with me to continue our countdown. Eric, how are you doing this lovely afternoon? Oh, I'm exhausted and tired, Joe. (laughs) That seems to be (laughs) the MO for you lately. It's hectic. Yes. Life is fun. Life is grand. So we are going to continue along with our countdown of our top 100 games since we are on episode 199. At episode 200, we will be counting down the top 20 games on our list. Today, we are currently doing numbers 40 to 21. Do you want me to start? Because I think you started last time. Yeah, you could start off this time. I will start off this week. Drumroll. This is a game that you actually showed me recently. You had mentioned it was kind of a racing game, and I, when you think of racing game, don't think of auto racing game, um, because this is kind of like a little bit different than what you might be thinking of in regards to that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pull this up on Board Game Geek, so I'm typing frantically as I pull <laughs> up a 2016 release. So it's a good stalling method so far you're doing. Did you like that? Did you yeah. like that? A you're, 2016 you're release. People, people are really it's enjoying a, this conversation already. It's a Stefan Feld game. Um, on here it was produced by Cranio. Who's was who was your who published your game? Was it uh, Cranio? I am assuming I know what you're talking about and I'm assuming it's TMG. Okay, and that's Oracle of Delphi. So did did TMG actually do that for the US? Yeah, they are the US. Okay. All right, yes, Oracle of Delphi, Stefan Feld game. Um, this game I thought was really cool. Uh, it's mm-hmm. in a racing game sense, what you're trying to do is there are different missions, I guess you could say, you're trying to accomplish throughout the game. You're trying to accomplish those before your opponents, um, and that is kind of the race aspect. You are, everybody's moving around on a board, trying to either fight monsters, trying to do some pick up and deliver, if I remember correctly. Um, a couple of different mechanisms that kind of work themselves into the game, but I thought it was really cool. The game, one, looked really sharp. Two, was fairly easy to pick up, especially after you, you know, after a round or two, I kind of saw what was going on, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is fun, and I was like, boom, 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 start knocking things out, and then I kind of hit a lull where I was, like, in the lead, I felt, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, boom, I think you jumped past me <laughs> as far as what was it, what was being accomplished, and I was like, what happened? I was like, I fell apart. Um, but I really like that game. Uh, it's one that's on my wish list, and I, I definitely wouldn't mind playing that one again. I like to actually get Kim to play this one. I think she might like it as well. If you like combos, you'll definitely love that game. Yeah, yeah, because there are things that you can really, you know, you can set your ship up with um, resource with some of the different resources and stuff to where you can knock out almost a couple of things almost in you know a couple of turns really quick. You know, you may you may be quiet for a couple of turns, you know, and nobody's paying attention to you. And then all of a sudden you're like, boom, 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 boom. 
you're like knocking out three things all in all in the matter of an instantly. And, you know, people are like all of a sudden turning to you like, OK, we need to slow him down and start blocking him and start, you know, making sure, you know, we're going to start affecting what he's doing. So um, but I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. I, I it was it was something when you had said it was a racing game, it was not what I was expecting out of it. And I was very happy to see how the game played out. Well, I'm glad to help you on that one, Joe. That was my number 40, <laughs> Oracle of Delphi. What's your number 40? Okay, my number 40 is the newest released game on this list, for sure. Oh, wow. And I just played it just before we started making these lists, so there's that. And I played it some more during the time where we were recording these every week, so it's it's been a little more justified recently for myself my number 40 is a little bit of a weird game called castell okay from renegade wow that one just wow how the hell did that even get on your list like i you must have changed something i played it like the week before we we started oh, wow. doing this and then okay like i said it, we played it a few times during these recordings already and i'm like yeah but i I knew it was a good i knew it was something i liked from the first time i played it confused as all hell of what to do but it's just going between the different cities on the map and building your little human towers it was it's such a weird game to get used to the first time you played it but every every time after that you're like all right i got this and then you start seeing combos and just the way you score everything is it's interesting it's just how oh, you, your best score for a tower will will be your starting base score at the end of the game and then you just collect other things to get to it's i i can't even do it just uh justice explaining it right now over the thing because it's a lot more in depth than you think but it's not so far in depth that it's hard to learn no um I will say it was it understanding the concepts to the game and the mechanisms were fairly straightforward. The strategy is what I think took me, Kim and a little while we sat there scratching our heads. And then once we kind of saw you build something, we were like, Oh, and then we start seeing how they worked off the different cities. We're like, Oh, so it, this is a game that you really will probably need to play multiple times to really get a good feel for it. You know, I, I think, but it it was fun. it It was fun. I liked it. It was cool. It is. We'll, we'll see if it, rises or lowers up the next time we do this list in yeah. 60 years <laughs> <laughs> okay and hopefully i'm around in 60 years <laughs> still playing games all right my number 39 is a little game from 2010 um, published by queen games um, i had several people tell me that this was one of their um more favorite worker placement games of the time. And I have to say it was one that I really enjoyed. I think it has some really good, really interesting mechanisms on it that have definitely evolved and have been introduced or not introduced, but been included in other games. And that is um, designed by Wolfgang, Pan- Wolfgang Panning, Marco Ruskowski and Michael Subelic. This is Fresco. Oh, oh okay. so in, in Fresco, you are basically, doing worker placement. One of the interesting things is the kind of like the order track that you're going to be going each round. Uh, You actually put your worker out on kind of like this clock area 
And you get to decide when you want your worker to wake up and when they're going to get to go to the market and do different things, um, you know, how you're going to act on your turn. And it's a really interesting mechanism. And I think it's one of the first times I've kind of seen something like that, because this is a, this is definitely an older style worker placement game. And it was, might have been one of the first ones that used that that I that I know of. I don't know if anybody did it before that. Um, it's very possible that they have. And I maybe I'm not thinking of it right now. But it's it's really neat in that, you know, you put your workers out there as far as when you want to go to the market. And it's, you know, you could possibly end up waking up later, um, which has its positives and minuses based on, you know, what you're trying to go for in the game. You know, do you want to hit the market later? Do you want to hit it early? But then you're going to have a penalty, um, you know, that you have to deal with. So I don't know if you've ever played Fresco. But the game actually looks very nice. There's a big mural that you're you're going to be uncovering as you're playing the game. Each player is going to be gathering resources, basically paint colors, and you're going to be mixing the different paint colors together to remove tiles from the board um, for scoring in the game. And that's going to be unrevealing the fresco that uh, all players are working on actually painting. And you're mixing the paints together to, you know, upgrade your paints to... Um, larger cubes, which are usually harder colors to obtain in the game is kind of the basis of it. But um, as far as worker placement goes, it's definitely one of the older games, but still a very good one. It's one that I picked up and um, Kim and I watched a couple of videos on how to play it, but we actually never played it yet. So it's one that I liked and that's Fresco. Do you get to mix any colors with titanium white? I don't think so. Darn. They need to All right, you're number 39. Okay, my <laughs> my 39 is probably the lightest filler game that's on this uh, section of 20 games that we're doing today. It is a Japanese card game brought over here to America with an Alice in Wonderland theme. I don't know, I don't I don't know, know what this is already. Did you guess it was Parade? Oh, no. Okay. No, I was not thinking of that. Boom. That's it. This is probably one of my favorite filler games, to be quite honest, because I thought it was just such a simple concept where, hey, place this card on this line and then start counting however many numbers the the card is. And then depending on that, you might have to add some cards over to your little... uh little area in front of you and hey do you have the majority okay all those cards of that color they're one point do you not have the majority okay all of those cards are worth whatever their numbers are and then it you're like hey you don't want points and i that was one of the first filler games so i was like ooh, that's a lot of it's a lot of interesting choices there for such a small 20 minute game that is it, a cool one i've played i played that one before and it, it's it's been a a staple for the last few years that i've had it so i got no problems with parade? it that's why it's a uh, number 39 parade all right my number 38 is a little game from 2016 kim and i just recently picked up a new expansion for this one that we're going to be playing actually later on this afternoon and that is a game that was published by renegade i think this was one of the might have been one of the first games i picked up from them um designed by paul denon uh, Clank, a deck building adventure. Clank. Uh, the first time I, the first time I had played this, um, I was at the Alliance Distributor Open House. I had gone with the owner of our friendly local game store. He let me tag along with him to this, and um, I met Sarah shortly after that. We had her on the podcast, 
And I sat down and played Clank and I was like, you know, I like deck builders adding in the whole board mechanism into the game where you're playing a thief. You're trying to work your way into um, the lower part of the dungeon with the dragon and trying to steal some of his loot before you. And you try to get out and exit the dungeon. Well, you try to get above ground, I guess you could say. And then if you could get um, into the castle um, off the board, that is when you will start signifying the end of the game. And you definitely want to get your asses out from underneath the ground at that point in time, because if the dragon keeps attacking, um, which he will, um, you could die if you are underneath the ground and the city people won't be able to save you and you won't be able to score the game. But as far as deck builders go, this is one of one of my favorites. Um, I love it. It's a really fun game. Uh, it's lighter. You know, it's definitely not something that's too difficult. They've released um, several well, they, they've released two expansions now for it, as well as a whole um, standalone game, the space one. Um, and like I said, we're going to be playing the Mummy Curse, I think is what it's called here this afternoon. Looking forward to that one. Um, and that is my number 38. Number Clank, what is your number 38? Oh, so you got the epic voice back finally. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, my 38 is one of the games that... Um probably shouldn't be on my list based on the other types that I like because it is a dungeon crawling game <clears throat> but it's not a dungeon crawl in the in the sense that you're pretty much like a fantasy character you know which pretty much all of the other ones seem to be this one has a 1950s sci-fi theme with the crazy uh, art style to reflect those times back in the day. It's called Space Cadets Away Missions. And this is one that we first learned randomly when we went up to the store and they were having a demo. And one of the guys there, he just showed us how to play and we're like, all right, this is really fun. It, it was it was such a simple game. Hey, or, you know, flip over some tiles, try to fight some people. And then they have different scenarios each each map is a new scenario like hey this one you might have to collect certain items over there this one you might just have to fight dudes and it's just a really fun game that's the the dice rolling well that's that's always fun so there's that the different ways they have this overkill mechanism which is essentially you know every hit you do on somebody when you're rolling dice it's not an extra damage it's They'll take one damage, but you'll get like other abilities based on who you're playing or who you're fighting. So you can start comboing stuff. And it's just such an interesting system that we've had such a blast playing all the time. We're still nowhere near finishing all of the scenarios in the base game. And it's there's so many damn miniatures in that box there's like over hundreds of them <laughs> they're they're going crazy the the art is hilarious because it, it like if you like watch like mystery science theater or something and like those crappy sci-fi movies from that they show on there this is like right up your alley it's definitely a lost in space type game for sure yeah but that's my number 38 space cadets away missions i believe nice. that's from I don't know Stronghold. If I played that one yeah, I don't know if I played that one. I want to try it. Let me know. All right. My number 37 is um, a game that I researched the hell out of when I was looking to pick this up. It's a game from 2014, published by Simon, designed by Thiago Arana, Guillermo Guillerme Goulart, and Eric Lang, Fred Perret, 
And this is Arcadia Quest. Um, <laughs> I had been looking for a dungeon crawler uh, because I've talked about I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go too far into it. Um, Mage Knight Dungeons was a game Kim and I played before. We like the PvP action um, component of that game, going into a dungeon, not only fighting monsters, but having to fight each other. Um, Arcadia Quest was kind of like the only one that fit the bill. I had been researching a bunch of other games, um, Descent, um, Super Dungeon Explorer. Kim and I had seen that at PAX East years ago. We came very close to picking that up, but when I saw there was really no player versus player interaction, it kind of turned me off of that because Kim just didn't want to go full co-op. So Arcadia Quest was kind of like the one that fit the bill for us, I think. And when I picked it up, I was really glad I did because we started playing it and had a great time with it. We played through a campaign. Um... We have pets. We still have yet to try the damn pets expansion that we picked up. Um, and Kim even said she wants to play it. We just haven't had any time. We're trying to play through so many other things and for videos and stuff like that recently. But um, it's been actually getting in the way of us doing some of the games we kind of really want to play. And I think we may just start going back to not playing the latest and greatest all the time and start playing and doing videos for stuff that we just want to do. Um, but uh, Arcadia Quest, having a blast with the game. Um, I did not pick up... Um, the latest one that had come out, the fire, the fire hell Inferno, one, whatever the hell it was called. Inferno, yeah. Mm -hmm. I had been wanting to pick that up. I I think I had decided to go the Arcade Quest route right after they had closed the late pledges for that game, or I would have jumped all over that freaking Kickstarter. And I can kick myself for not deciding earlier on Arcadia Quest, but uh, <laughs> hey, live and learn. I still have enough of the game that we need to get through and play through. So Arcadia Quest is my number 37. Eric. What is your number 37? My number 37 is a game that you introduced to me that I had no no idea or desire for or anything before <laughs> you did that. So it's a game also from CMON. Oh, wow. But it's a Euro game. And it's from... Okay, I know what it is. I know what it is. Yeah, full... Duh, I got it, duh. All right, my my number thirty seven is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yep. Which right I've, when you said Simon, it was that I knew exactly what it was when you said Simon in Euro. I have other Simon in Euro. Those. Get it, get it right. But yeah, but I know that's the one you really like. All right, well this this one is just a dice drafting worker placement uh, uh, kind of mixed together, and I'm not going to go too much into it because I know it's going to be on your list later on. Either today or next week, one of these you times. You never know. You never know. But it's one of those games where I like dice worker placement games. And this one, I liked the fact that the dice were shared by everyone. So everyone had the same decisions. It didn't seem like anyone had an advantage over anyone else. That's what I like about it, too. And it just has such tough decisions where, okay, you know, do you want to sacrifice a really good... Uh, card to take just to kind of prepare yourself for the next move or it, every every time I play this game it's always like damn man don't take that card don't take that card okay fuck I'm so screwed now and now I gotta take some other crappy action and it, it's it's a crazy game of just trying to weigh weigh the options you know which one is best for you right now and which one's best for your long-term action so there's that, my number 37, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Good game, expansion coming out, I think, next month, or is it the end of this month in April? Might be the end of this month. I think it is the end of April. I think April 27th, I think I saw somewhere. 
Oh, don't worry. You'll be raving about it. I will I will be playing it um, and trying to get that one immediately, and we'll do a video for that one. That's why we haven't done a video for Lorenzo yet, is because we're waiting for the expansion. All right. So, Because Kim and I have already talked about doing a video for that. All right, we'll go to your next so, one now, Joe. All right, my number 36 is a game from Fantasy Flight Games designed by Nikki Valens. This is a second edition of a game that was released. Well, the second edition was released in 2016. Um, More Cthulhu love coming from me. Mansions of Madness is a game where you are playing investigators, of course, trying to fight off evil. Um, I, I really like the gameplay of this one. And the miniatures in this one are really cool. I would love to get some of the painted miniatures um, for this game. But, of course, Fantasy Flight does not really have those readily available. Um, I wish I would have been able to pick up, like, the full set that they had out several years ago. Um, But I had not played the first edition of this one. The second edition uses an app. I really think the app adds to the game. And I really enjoy... um, what this game brings to the table. So it's another thing along the lines of Eldritor, which I think I had talked about a while ago. Um, but Mansions of Madness, I think, definitely um, takes some of that gameplay to kind of like just um, just a little cleaner bit of a game. And I really enjoyed playing the second edition of this one. That's my 36, Mansions of Madness. Eric, what is your 36? Well, my 36 has nothing to do with Cthulhu. <laughs> I wouldn't expect it to. But but it does have to do with another god from another era, I believe. Yeah. If I do this correctly. This is this is one of those Euro games that is really ugly. It's really ugly when you're looking at it out on the table and uh it's one of those games that everyone says you need to play and after playing it one time I was like, Yeah, this is pretty good, but had no idea if if Yuki would uh, like it, but one day I picked it up on a whim. She played it. She really enjoyed it. I've since bought pretty much like all the expansions for it too. Still have yet to go through them all. But the the god that we're talking about is from, I don't know if it's Roman or Greece, but uh, it's Concordia. Nice. <laughs> and th- this one, it... I'll tell you what, this is probably one of the simplest medium Euro games to play. Because it, it is really, here, play a card, do the action, next turn. And that that's all it is. It's one of those games where I, if anyone says, do you want to learn a, a medium to heavy Euro game that's simple to play, this is probably one of the top five that, that I will suggest and say, hey, just play it. Because it is so simple, but it... It is very interesting, and I do love, I do love the end game scoring, where you know whatever cards you have in your your hand pretty much multiply based on what you have out on the board. And I thought that was a really cool concept that a few other games since then have kind of jocked from from that. And I, I don't know if anything has done it before because this game came out before I even started playing modern games. So, but that's my number thirty six. One I have a feeling will be on your list sometime. It's possible. Can't can't. I can't I can't divulge that information at this time. Okay, well you can you can talk about Concordia <laughs> later. You can talk about it another time. All right. My number thirty five for today is Concordia. a game from twenty eleven. <laughs> it is not Concordia. No, not Concordia. 
<laughs> um, is a 2011 game from Stefan Feld, published by Ravensburger. And it is a little game called Castles of Burgundy. Castles of Burgundy is a dice game. And considering I normally am not too fond of the dice in the game, um, I do love Castles of Burgundy. The first time I played Castles of Burgundy, I instantly was like, um, this game needs to be added to my collection um, because it was just a lot of fun. It's uh, very simple to pick up on and learn, um, but still a lot of fun and one that I could go back to and play you know, at any time. And, and it's really simple to pick up. I've, I've shown it to my family. They picked it up pretty quickly. Minus like the, uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the pictures that, you know, this does this, this does this. Yeah. You know, that one takes a little bit, but as soon as they get that, it's like, okay, simple. I got this. Yeah. And it's a simple game that has, of course, you know, some escalated scoring in the game, but, um, it's definitely a classic, and if it's if you, if you have not played this one yet, I would definitely try to find somebody with a copy of Castles of Burgundy and get it to the table because I have a feeling most people who play this one, if it's not in their collection, they will be adding it to their collection shortly. Mm. All right, what is your number 35? Okay, my 35, I believe, is the first official crossover that we have throughout our whole list so far. No, we've had a couple, I think. Yep. I don't think we've officially had any yet. I, 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 I stopped keeping track, so I couldn't even tell you. Well, that's, that's what... <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is it? Let's go. All right, my 35 is a card crafting game from AEG called Mystic Veil. Yep. Okay. And we talk, you, I, you talked about it sometime. I, I don't remember how many weeks ago, if it was last week or two weeks or three weeks. I think it was last week because I think it was pretty higher in mine. But that, that I mean, was one of those games as... where... Such a simple concept, but you gotta love yeah. making those combos. And the more we played it, the more we ended up enjoying it. Um, as soon as you add the expansions to it, it definitely adds a whole nother level. It also kind of sucks because you do. I, I would say probably adding the expansions is mandatory. So, you know, some people might not like that, but everyone kind of adds something more. I mean, the first one is just more cards, so nothing too different, but. Yeah. Everyone since then has kind of added new types of cards and somewhat new mechanics to the game, like the leaders and such. And each one kind of makes it just a little bit better and just a little more choices. And I can't wait for this next expansion. I know there's another one coming out in the middle of the year, but the the big box comes out this month, I believe, in April with a little bit of an expansion, but it's more of a storage uh storage box with just a little bit extra just to actually tempt you into buying it and right now mystic veil really needs it because my base game box is full and it definitely needs a lot more room and we're definitely yeah. gonna be playing it for a while yeah the initial storage box was actually good but it you can outgrow it very quickly especially with all the expansions they've released oh every everything of mine in my box that that insert has been tossed a while ago, everything's in bags right now. They're so, they're so like that box is heavy right now. I, re I really need the big yeah. box. So that's 35 Mystic Veil, the first official crossover. At least that's what I'm saying. All right. Sounds fair to me. My number 34 um, is only on my list because of Dave, Eric. Um, oh, it oh. is a 2015 game 
Uh, <laughs> um, published by Gray Fox Games, designed by Ole Steinus. Uh, do you have any idea what it might be? <laughs> is, it, is it another game where dice hate you? It's another game where dice hate me, which is one of the reasons why I didn't like it the first time I played it. And that's <laughs> Champions of Midgard. So Champions of Midgard is a worker placement game where you are using dice in combat. Uh, so a lot of people say that this is the next step up from Lords of Waterdeep in regards to worker placement games. Worker Lords of Waterdeep is a simpler one, I would say. The dice do add some other things. Um, the expansions in Champions of Midgard definitely add in um, additional dice as well as some additional boards. Um, so it's the first time I played this. Yeah, I just it just did not grab me for some reason, um, which is kind of surprising because I love worker placement games. But I don't know if it was the whole dice thing. I was just rolling really bad and I just couldn't get into it. But then after having played this and being reintroduced it from Dave, because it's one of his favorite games, one of the guys who's in our game group, we're real good, we're real good friends with. Um, I was like, OK, I kind of like this. And then when Kim played it, Kim was like, Kim really liked it because uh, she would she just. You know, it was right in her wheelhouse. So, and um, it's it's one that I've I've actually gone from not really caring for to okay. We need to we want to add this to our collection and on both our both of our wish lists. Mm. Uh, so we're probably going to be picking up this summer. I have a feeling, and that is Champions of Midgard from Gray Fox Games. You know, Dave is sitting there listening to this right now, and he was like, "Why the hell isn't it number one?" because <laughs> i'm not dave so eric what is your number 34 my number 34 is another crossover <laughs> Woo, okay i believe this was really high up on your list in like the 80s or something i can't remember when we did this but <clears throat> it's a deck building game but not really a deck building game because there's cubes and it's in a, they're in a bag and it's a racing game Coincidentally, also from AEG, two games in a row, <laughs> called Automobiles, which I pretty much bought yes. based on, based on you for some reason. I don't, and you, I don't have, I don't even own it yet. <laughs> yeah, you you started talking about it, and at this time I was like really into trains when I bought it, and I, you know I just love deck building, and even though everything's in a bag right now, but but this game it was it's really fun. I don't know why that's my go to phrase right now. <laughs> But you're just sitting there trying to build up your your deck of cubes in your bag and race around this track and programming your your movement of your car with the cubes, which that was kind of a new concept for me, programming mm-hmm. everything around the track. So I know I have a few programming games now, but that one, it was an interesting one. When we first played it, I thought it took a little bit of a, a long time. It was kind of a slow-paced racing game. But as soon as the expansion got added to it, it really upped the speed of the game and actually felt more like a racing game. So that that's why this is a little bit higher now, because that the expansion, besides having maps for less players, so you could actually play it like a two-player game now, and like the whole racing season where you're sitting there getting points depending on where you come in each race and how... It's almost, it is a campaign where, you know, like, hey, the first game, whatever's in your bag, that's what you start off the next race in. So you might be, you might have all these wear cubes in your bag. So you're, you might sacrifice the race beforehand just to make yourself better for the next one. And I thought that gave a really good, really good tempo to, to each race. And not only the driver powers, which give you, you know, extra movement or some other special ability. 
I thought the expansion took a really good game and turned it into a really great game. That's my yep. 34, Automobiles. I like that one, too. All right, my number 33 is a game that will give you a headache. It is a 2014 game um, published by Elbin Viard, and it was designed by him as well. And this was one of the first games I think I played from him called yeah. Clinic. Oh, God. So this oh, is God. this is a game where you're kind of building a hospital, I guess, like like a clinic. Um, and it's it's a spatial game in that you have multiple floors that you're building your rooms upon and you need to make sure that your lower level is built out first before you can build above it. You have to make sure when you're building those rooms, you can't put the same colors above each other for all the different doctors and nurses you're going to have at your hospital. You need to make sure there are parking enough parking available for them to park at um, as well as for um, your customers as well coming to the clinic. So it's this, this is a heavier style game. Um, it took us several, a couple of playthroughs to actually really grasp our head around the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's one that I just had heard about through some of the Facebook groups and actually just bought right off his website. And I was really glad I did. Um, I guess it's going to be redesigned or republished, I think, this year and put into a real box and maybe with better components. Um, my game definitely looks like Somebody built it out of their garage, <laughs> but it's still it's still fun. I mean, the components definitely are nothing to look at for this game. The gameplay of his games, I think, are what are are what I really enjoy. Um, he has he utilizes he utilizes the spatial elements and just some really really interesting mechanisms in his games. Um, that just are that make you think in ways that you don't in other games. And clinic is one that I it's it's one that I'm glad that I invested in purchasing. And that was my number 33. Eric, what is your number 33? Well, sorry, I got to go to the mental clinic after playing that game (laughs) because God, my my head hurts so much after playing that game. But you still had a good time with it, didn't you? After I kind of figured out what the hell we were doing. Maybe you didn't. (laughs) It was so, that was such a hard, that was like one of the hardest games I've tried to figure out. I I still don't think I, I understand that game. Usually I, usually I feel like I do at least somewhat every game after, at the end of that one, I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. But my 33 is a game that... Dave introduced us to kind of but I know you had had it before because you both have the original versions of the game I believe at some point this is a game where I was giving Dave a bunch of shit for his uh his crappy print and play of the of the um play testing version <laughs> of Stop Thief <laughs> yes I think I talked about this last episode you talked about it some episode but so I won't go far, too far into it. But did I talk about it last episode? I thought it, I did. This is one that the family really enjoyed. It it was a really simple game, and after we were sitting there play testing it, I was like, "Wow, that was actually kind of fun." More, it was more fun than I was expecting a game from what the seventies to be. Yeah, I think it was originally released in seventy nine. Yeah, so I mean that's that's released before I was even born, so. <laughs> 
keep in mind though they did they did change quite a few things i mean it, it's not roll and move anymore i think the card mechanism movement in the newer version is definitely more of an updated mechanism than the roll and move that the original had yeah and i i gave it a chance because i do like deduction games and i thought that was not a nice simple one and i i remember killing you guys when we were play testing it so <laughs> <laughs> so there's that i it was just a fun game i picked it up just based on based on our play tests I probably should have kickstarted it, but who knows? I got you picked it. it up because our you picked it up because our names are in the book. That for too. Playtesting. That that too because that is kind of cool though. So sort of like, <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, I'm in the book. I'm in the book. <laughs> All right, that's that my is, it is a fun it is a fun one. And Kim and I just did a video for that one a couple weeks ago. So check out check out youtube.com slash what I'm playing now to check out the stuff thief video. Shameless self promotion. <laughs> I'm allowed to. It's our show. <laughs> that, that that's a that's a block of three uh three game crossovers right now that i just had with you right there so yeah and i my next one i don't know if this one will be on your list or not i don't know if you've actually played this one this is a 2016 game i think it made my top 10 back in 2016 um it was published by um gale force nine wizards of the coast um designed by peter lee rodney thompson andrew veen a little deck builder called tyrants of the underdark I just got it in a trade. I still haven't played it yet. Uh, okay. All right. Tyrants of the Underdark is a deck builder um, with an area control mechanism to it. Uh, you are trying to take over the board with your um, fighters. And um, the interesting thing about the game is it comes with multiple. I don't want to say races, but multiple different decks you can actually use for the game. You're going to pick out two of the decks that you're going to mix together to use through the game and mixing the different ones together are going to give you different gameplay while you're playing the game. And Kim and I haven't even played through all of the different um, mixes that you can do with the cards um, for the deck building component to the game. Um, it does have a Dungeons & Dragons theme to it since Wizards of the Coast is involved. Um, but it's as far as area control goes with deck building, this is one of the better ones I think that are out there. Um, it really surprised me um, when we first pulled it out to play it that um, the deck building and the area control went together so well. Um, but yeah, Tyrant to the Underdark, really fun game. If you like deck builders, area control, this is probably one you definitely want to check out. That was my number 32. Eric, what is your 32? My 32 is the first game we played with Dave. Wow. He, he he knows I it. I don't even I don't even know what that was. He knows it off the top of his head. I don't I don't know if you put this on your list or not, but I know you guys bought it based on me showing it to you all. It's another Japanese theme game, but it's a it's a lighter pusher look game called Kanagawa. Oh. And this one, I, I I first got my eye caught on it uh, based on the art style because I really liked it, and then. As soon as we played it a few times, I'm like, yeah, this is a really fun game. It's a simple push-your-luck game. I mean, in a two-player game, me and Yuki probably knock it out in like 10 to 20 minutes because it is so quick. But it's always an interesting game where you're just trying to build build your little paintings and, and trying to figure out what cards you want to draft, how you want to use them with, the, with their multi-uses. It's a, it's a really solid... 20 to 30 minute game and I, I don't think I've shown it to anyone and they haven't liked it yet like many other games on these lists that I've said 
it is probably one of the perfect family games that that I've said uh, so far. That's my number thirty-two. Kind of got. I don't know if that one made my list or not, and that one probably should have. I I needed to I need to redo my list of a hundred games. I've I've messed up. What, dude? I started playing so many more games, but like when we started doing this, I'm like, man, I should have added this. I'm like, so we're gonna have to make a top one hundred like every five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that now. All right, because this is definitely not an easy thing to do. No. It definitely took a while to come up with it, but it was fun doing it. I will say I really enjoyed this one. All right. My number. What the hell number are we even on right now? 31. Dude. My number 31. 31 is a game from 2016 um, published by Lookout Games. I think Mayfair is the one who published it in the U.S. designed by Tim Pools. Um, the Colonists is an epic style game, <laughs> one that has been on my wish list um, pretty much, I think, since it came out. Uh, we've played this one down at the game store, and wow, if you want to talk about an epic game, this is um, definitely one that you want to look into. Um, if you like uh, worker placement, if you like uh, building out the board while you are playing through the game, um, this is one to look for. Uh, there's got some drafting mechanisms to it, as well as you know a little bit of hand management and stuff in the game. Um, but you're working your way over four different ages of the game and trying to just build up a colony. I, I guess you could say it's kind of like a civilization style game, um, but it is definitely one. I won't say it's very heavy. It's probably more medium weight. I would say medium to medium heavy, um, pretty easy to pick up on, but the strategy and the length of the game is what I think detour a lot of people from playing it. It's a long game. I am not going to lie on this one. This is a game that's an afternoon. You're not going to play this in, you know, unless if you're a night owl, um, you know, downing um, two liters of Mountain Dew. Um, this is probably <laughs> when you start earlier in the day than in the evening um, because of the length of time. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I will be hopefully picking this game up this year, adding it to my collection. That is The Colonists. My number 31. Eric, what is your 31? Well, first of all, I'm just thinking about colonizing the mountain of dew right now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you got, you got to, you got to bring up the, uh, the products in a, in game terms there must colonize that mountain. Okay. My, (laughs) my 31 is a game that I really had no interest in until I actually looked into it. And I know you and Dave were like raving about this game before it came out. Oh, us? Never. We don't do that. Yeah, it's another old ass game that was redone with with some auction and some racing and some betting, and it's uh, called Downforce. I had never, I had never played the original, what it was based off of, the Cleveland Grand Prix. Well, you guys were talking about it so much before the new version came out. So, and this was one as I didn't really look into it that much, so I wasn't really worried about it, and. To be to be honest, I wasn't interested in it because the Dice Tower was raving over it, and usually when they rave over a game, it's really not something up my alley. So this is one of the few exceptions, I would say. And it has been a real, real fun blast every time we've played it now. Just try just I will say it's better with more players. Cause it seems like when you're playing with, you know, maybe two or three, I don't think I've played it with, but three or four, you're 
you're kind of just, you know, playing to to get your guy across there, and you know, you're like, hey, okay, well, the choices seem pretty obvious. Like, hey, maybe just let this guy go and just bet on him the whole way. But when we play it with five or six people, then it just starts going crazy because you play mind games, and I I know there's been a few times with more people I've been sitting there playing where, you know, you're making that one car of yours looking like it's going to cross the finish line. And then boom, right at the end, you're like, no, I'm going to let this other car go ahead of me and win the game. And you just screw everyone out of their bets. <laughs> and I, I've been able to pull it off a couple times. And it's so awesome because I think the last time we played it up at the store, I think Dave was so mad at me because he, he was like, dude, why the hell did you let the, the yellow car win when you were the red car and you were in first place? And I'm like, A, because I didn't have any cards that moved the red card more, so I couldn't win. And I'm like, B, because I've been betting on the second car the whole time, and as soon as you flip it over, they're like, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, is, it is a game where you could easily screw over your neighbors. That That's what's, that's what's the fun part about it, because usually with less players, it seems like it, it's a little boring because it seems like, oh, this car is just ahead, so might as well just let it win. But when you have more players, just the head games that go on, it's really fun. Yeah, it, it is a good one. I really enjoy that one. So that's my 31, and we're done with the first 10 of this list today. All right, let's jump into the second second half of our list today at number 30. My number 30 is a game that was released in 2017, made my top 10, published by Simon. Designed by Eric Lang, this is a favorite of Kim and mine, and that's the Godfather Corleone's Empire. Mm -hmm. This is a game um, based off of the Godfather movie, of course, one that I love. And I love the first player token in the game. It is a little horse's head. You got to love it. (laughs) Um, It's area control. You're just trying to work in different areas of the boroughs of New York, trying to get your workers there and... um, not only put your workers there, but get your chips there as well to show that you have control. People can come in and um, get control later on. Um, There's drive-bys in the game where there are going to be miniatures floating in the river um, at the end of each round and bodies are just going to be stacking up. Um, It's crazy. If you don't like take that, um, don't play this game. There is a lot of player interaction in this one. What you're trying to do in the game actually is collect enough money and finish missions and stashing them in your suitcase. Uh, you do have to pay some some sort of how do we want to say it? Um, you know, you have to give some money to the Don at the end of each round. Um, so you want to make sure that you can stash as much of your money during the round as you can in your suitcase, because most of the times you're going to have to be um, discarding your cards and paying back to the Don to give him what his due is, um, you know, to show your reverence to him. But um, it's, I, it's it's a game that I really enjoy. I think it plays good at um, different player counts. We've played it quite a bit with two players. I've played it with multiple players as well with higher player counts and have really enjoyed the player interactions with more players as well. And even with it just being two players, Kim and I are, are rat right at each other throughout the whole game. 
um, doing drive-bys, Molotov cocktails, each other, and just trying to kill each other as much as we can in that game. So um, Godfather Corleone's Empire is definitely a very, very fun game for me. Yeah, see, you're a Godfather fan. I'm, I've seen the movie, and it's, I don't know, it it's, might just be my age showing, you know, because I have... I saw that everybody, movie relatively recently, and it, it's a good movie. But it. I don't have the, I don't have the, uh, you know, the attachment to it like a lot of other people do. Everybody loves that game at all, or it loves that movie at all age levels. Do not use that as an excuse. It is a good movie. <laughs> it, it was good. It was good. Yes. Though. I'll admit that it was. It was a really good movie. I got to go back through and watch some old movies now. <laughs> all right, Eric. What is your number thirty? My number thirty is a game based on a city. It's a Euro game. It's not Constantinople, but it's Istanbul. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That took I tried, me a second. I tried. Because I knew where you were going with it, but then I was like, when you said that, I, I, was I like, tried. I was, it was corny, but I, tr- I tried. <laughs> I tried. I, I, know, I know that's before my time, but, but I at least know that one. That might be before my time. <laughs> Probably. But... Yes, this was a simple, technically a racing game where you're, the, you're trying to be the first one to get a certain amount of gems. And this was a game that I really didn't know of. And then one day at the store, uh, the owner showed us and I was like, wow, this is actually a pretty fun game. You know, I, I finally figured it out halfway through like, oh, oh, this is what I'm trying to do. And then I, I like the whole randomness, you know, the, the tile layout changes each game. So that was a good thing. I will say the expansions added more into it where, where the base game, you, you would, you would kind of find a combo that you would just kind of abuse late in the game. So you kind of saw who was going to win kind of soon. And then the expansions, they added more to it. So they just added more variability and more unpredictableness where you're like, okay, I'm, I got to be on my toes here because you can do so many different things there. And it's a nice, simple game. It's one I've upgraded with some nice uh, acrylic overlays to keep everything oh, in nice. place. One of, one of many games that I've upgraded like that. And it's, it's a damn fun game. Plus, it's super simple, too. It's another easy Euro game to get into where, you know, here you've got one thing to do on your turn and then you do an action. That's it. You move you move your things, do the action, that's your turn. And it's very simple to pick up. Probably one of the better next step family games, I guess you could say. That's my number 30, Istanbul, not Constantinople. All right. My number 29 coming into the top 30 is a game from 2013. Um published by Stonemeyer Games, designed by Janie Stegme- Jamie Stegmeyer, Alan Stone. This is a worker placement game called Viticulture. Um, Viticulture was one of the earlier worker placement games I think that I had picked up on and learned. Um, You are basically making wine in this game. You are going to have vineyards that are going to have vines on them that are going to be producing grapes that you're then going to have to um, take the grapes and turn into wine and expand both your cellar as well as your vineyard so you can have uh, more um, vines that are growing things for you. Uh, The Tuscany expansion for Viticulture definitely turns it from a basic beginner worker placement game. I think Viticulture right out of the box by itself is a rather simple worker placement game. 
Um, very fun, but very basic. Um, if you're looking for an intro level one, I would say this is one to look at if you're interested in this theme. Um, if you want to take the game to the next level, you can kind of say Tuscany was one of the earlier legacy style games because the way it was kind of pitched is Tuscany has, I think, 16 different expansions in it itself. And the way you're supposed to play it is after a game, whoever won the game picks out what expansion they are adding to the game next time you play. So that's why they were turning it into, that's why they were stating it's kind of like a legacy style game. Uh, normally playing with the board and adding in, or Tuscany adds in a whole other, a whole new board to the game. It actually changes the board. Um, it breaks up the game into actually having four distinct different seasons on the board. Whereas on the baseboard, it's not divided that way. Um, but uh, for people who are looking into a good worker placement game, Viticulture is definitely one to look at. Uh, I would say play that a couple of times, and then if you definitely want to take the game to the next level, um, Tuscany is the way to go. Nowadays, I think people are probably just getting the Viticulture Essential Edition, which has the base Viticulture game as well as a couple of the expansions in there. Um, but I'm still glad I got into this game when they had them separate, um, and it was the distinct 16 um, different expansions, which... I don't even think we've actually used all of them yet because there's a cheese one in there and there's another expansion that we haven't even touched in there where you have like different boards where you're doing different cheeses for your wines and stuff like that. And we haven't even used those, but this is one I've played quite a bit. I've played it multiple player counts. It is with more people. It is a little bit longer, but it's still a fine game with two. It's perfect um, as well. So good at all player counts. Lovely worker placement game from Stonemeyer Games. That is Viticulture. Eric, what is your number 29? My number 29 is also a worker placement game. It's a game that I believe you showed me, and it was a game I never really got into because it was a theme that I was really not into until you, you uh, made me play it. And it's called Lords of Waterdeep. So it's it's one I actually, I actually asked for as a Christmas gift this past year and ended up getting it. Got some nice uh, some nice metal coins for it and everything. It's all it's all tricked Ooh, I out. I don't have I don't have the metal coins. Oh, they're really nice. You should get them. But uh, it's one that recently I've finally been able to introduce it to uh, the casual game night outside of the store and everything with my family and friends, and they really enjoyed it. It is a really simple game to understand, so that that was kind of a nice thing, and I did I did like how simple it is, yet it does have somewhat of a decent strategy, and I think I need to start playing it more with the expansion because that's how you showed it to me, and the last time I played it, just introduced everyone, it was just the base game, so I think the base game is a good, uh, it's a really solid opening game but the expansion gave it just a little bit extra depth that mm -hmm. it's just not super light. And I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons person, so that's what kept me away from this game for so long because I, it, you know, I see Dungeons and Dragons and I'm like, eh, it's, that's not me. And then playing it, 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 you really don't see anything. It has some cool graphics from the, from the games, but you know, it, it you really don't need to, understand Dungeons and Dragons to really play the game. So that's my 29 Lords of Waterdeep. 
So, this is going to be interesting because my 28 is Lords of Waterdeep. Yes, I knew that was going to happen one time. <laughs> yes. That could be the closest we come to possibly having any sort of crossover. That was that was good. Um, everything Eric said about Lords of Waterdeep, I'm right there with him. Um, the first worker placement game I think that I learned, um, loved it. Um, it is very basic with just the base set, um, like you said, and the expansion adds to it. I'm not going to say much more, Eric. Let's jump over to your number twenty-eight. My 28. number, my number twenty-eight, is also a worker placement game, <laughs> and it's it's one I uh, showed you, and I believe you uh, you believe you ended up buying it after playing it sometime. Not immediately, but after a while. I'm still waiting on the expansions to come in there, but this one is Raiders of the North Sea. This one we were it, we were looking at the expansions for this one yesterday. I'm still waiting on mine because they are part of the uh, another game in the trilogies Kickstarter that are coming to me. So I'm still waiting on that, and it, it's killing me that you know it, they're in the stores already. And um, yeah, I'm sitting sucks. there waiting. It's like because uh, I want to play this game some more, but I'm waiting on those expansions. But this one was nice and simple. I, I've played it as a two player game with me and Yuki, and I've played it with more. I suck at this game. I still don't think I've ever won it. But it's so interesting. I would love to play it more, especially with these expansions. So please get here fast. Can't wait for the next uh, level in the series, the Architects of the West Kingdom that finally funded recently. And I'm on that one. So, Joe, I'll probably have you play another game that you're going to buy eventually, too. Yep, probably. <laughs> Prop, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So there you go. My 28 is Raiders of the North Sea, the best one of the trilogy, and still have to play one of the trilogy. But the second one, the other one is pretty good, too. So we'll leave that for All the right. future. My number 27 is a game that was released in 2009. Um, it was published by Cranio Creations. This is a game that has been on my wish list, and I, it is rather tricky to find. I have not been able to secure my own copy of this. Um, it was designed by Lorenzo Silva, Lorenzo Tucci Sorrentino. It is called Horse Fever. This is a betting game. You are going to be betting on your horses in this game. Um, and at the beginning of the round, you're going to try to sabotage your opponents and their horses uh, to try to either help out certain horses or hinder other horses by playing the appropriate cards um, before the round of racing begins. But as far as horse racing games goes, this is, this is probably the best one I've played. It might be, it might be, I don't know if I've played another horse racing game, Um, (laughs) but this one, this one, the first time it was introduced to me uh, down at one of the times we were down at the store doing one of the 24 hour gaming things that we did down there. It might've been for tabletop day. The one day, I instantly fell in love with this game and I was like, Oh my God, I got to get this. I got to show it to Kim. Um, because this game is just a blast. Um, every time I play this and I usually play it a couple of times a year, at least, um, I have enjoyed this game immensely. Um, I think you've played this one too. Yes, I, I did. And, um, I just, it was, I don't, it's just something with the whole betting mechanism in the game and trying to get some of the different, um, you know, players that you have in the game in regards to the, what, what they're doing to help you um, during a round. Uh, just there's just so, so many different things going on in the game that it's I just for a horse racing game. It's it's very exciting, I think, 
plus a lot of player interaction during the game as well. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And that is my number 27. Eric, what is your number 27? My number 27 is going back to a Euro based on a city. Again. This is one from a designer you mentioned a couple times earlier today. But this one doesn't have to do with dice of any form. But this one has to do with cards. And it's called Bruges. And this is one, it's a, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a game of how can you, how can you make randomness efficient? Because you are just trying to do what you can with these cards that you're picking up and pretty much everyone does almost the same thing except for a special power, but you can use them for other ways. And it's just how can you get points based on these random cards that you somewhat pick out? So there's somewhat of a planning thing, but it's, it doesn't always work out that way. And it's a game that is hard to find now, but I have a copy, so that's nice. <laughs> I, still, I still have to play with the expansion, which I'm assuming will probably make it just a little bit better. But the base game itself is really simple. And that, that, that's what's kind of nice about it. It's a simple game to pick up. I showed it to Dave recently, and I was like, hey, dude, it takes like two minutes to learn what all this does. Let's play it right there. And then he picked it up really quick. He ended up killing me in it. But but it, it's a simple game with some good decisions. And I need to learn to play that expansion, which I have, which I know it's I know it's not available right now. So I'm glad I have that, too. So cool. Nice. All right. My number 26 is a game from 2016, uh, published by Z-Man, designed by Uwe Rosenberg. A game that I had for quite a while that I had not played and should have made my top 10 of 2016 because I did have it for then, although it was at the end of 2016 when I bought it. This is a feast for Odin. Dave cannot say anything. We have played this game many times now since we learned how to play it. And Kim and I both really enjoy the game. I probably enjoy it more than she does. Um, but it's worker placement. And when I say worker placement, um, this is a game that you definitely want to make sure uh, you have your thinking cap on for because I think you have around 60 some choices of different actions you can take on your turn um, from the middle of the board. It has a Tetris style component to it, as several of his games do, where you're trying to uh, get different resources that you're going to be upgrading throughout the game and trying to cover up your player tableau in front of you to cover up all the negative points that are on pretty much a good half to three quarters of the board. Um, very interesting game, a lot of fun. So glad that we finally sat down to learn it. And after we learned it, we were like, I want to play this again. I want to play this again. Okay. We <laughs> finally, okay. I want to try this strategy, this game. Cause there are just, it's a game that once you do learn it, it was pretty simple to actually learn. It's the choices, um, that you have in the game that are actually just keep you coming back because there's just so many different things you want to try in the game. And it's just a lot of fun. Feast for Odin was my number 26. It only took you 26 years to play the game. Shut it. Eric, what is your number 26? <laughs> Shut it. 26. My number, my number 26 is a game that I bought based on yours and Dave's recommendations. Well, that's silly of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. 
But after finally playing it, Dave teaching it to me, being so kindly to me, um, it's one that I really enjoyed. And it was as soon as I played it, I was like, all right, I get why you guys are raving about it. And um, I want to play it some more like immediately. It's an, it's based on another city, this time in France, I believe, called Orleans. Nice. And yeah, yeah, like I said, I lo- I love the deck building. The bag building was it was it was okay for me. I mean, it's it seemed it was a lot simpler than I thought this game was gonna be. It's yeah, it's it's not that hard of a game to learn. Mm-hmm. But I think um, the choices in the game are what make it very fun. Yeah, I will say, I, I, Dave showed me it as a two-player game, and, well, it was good to learn it. I was like, okay, it's probably better with more people, and I see how it would be, especially that map aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a feeling that's where a lot of the interaction comes into play. And I know I have the uh, the expansions for it. Uh, I have played the, the solo versions a couple times. Those I are pretty... Not tried the, I have not tried the solo. The, the first one is pretty damn simple i mean like i played it and i was like oh i still don't know what i'm doing in this game really but playing it as a solo thing i was able to beat it pretty easily at late which i'm like okay is it just too easy or am i just really doing something wrong that i'm making it so easy but i think it is a simple game to understand and you know i, I like the fact that you can sit there and just kind of leave leave the little chips out of your bag by just putting them on the the actions, you're like, okay, I'm just gonna pre-plan this one right now and slowly do that. So it's it doesn't seem like it's as random as a deck builder should be, in my opinion, because you you could really plan it out and you say, okay, well, I'm gonna do this, and then you slowly just plan for it. It d- doesn't seem too bad. I, I I thought it was I thought it would be a lot meaner than it was too, but it, it's not, and I think that's. The- the second expansion can make it mean when you play with the one board. Okay, well, I'll have to try that one. I still haven't done that yet, but but yeah, it's the, one the I'm one... looking forward to. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that that fifth player upgrade so I can finally play as a black player, which is my color, if, if purple's not available. Yep. And then those cool uh, little BGG upgrades that, that you showed uh, like a week or two ago. I'm yeah, like, ooh, those look cool. I really want those too. <laughs> those look very nice, yes, definitely. So that's my 26 Orleans. All right. My number 25 is a game from 2015 published by, I think it was published by Asmodee Games. What it says here, I think is incorrect. Designed by Antoine Bauza, Bruno Cathala, Seven Wonders Duel. And then Mm -hmm. there's an expansion called Pantheon for this as well, which adds to the game nicely. This is basically taking the game of Seven Wonders turning it into a two-player game where you are basically trying to um, just beat each other. Uh, There's multiple ways you can win the game. You can win by military. You you can win through science, or you could just win by, um, I think, victory points at the end of the game Mm -hmm. are the three ways you can win. Um, I think it turns this drafting style of game that is Seven Wonders into a very interesting two-player drafting game, which you would think normally a drafting game really wouldn't work too well as two players. The way you put the cards out differently during the three rounds of gameplay, I think are rather interesting. And the the way the cards change during those three rounds um, are interesting as well. 
you start off in the first round, I think, with a lot more resource cards, and then you're building up an engine to try to get to those end game cards, which are just letting you try to then just refine the strategy you're going for during the game. Pantheon adds in some larger cards and a, a new mechanism to the game as well um, that I think just rounds out the game nicely. Um, and that is my number 25, Seven Wonders Duel. Mm, okay. You're number 25, Eric. All right, my, my 25 is, honestly, if, if I was going to rate this one, this would have been in my top 10. And the only reason why is, I, why is it at 25? The, the only reason I didn't put it in my top 10, because it is probably one of the 10 best games I've ever played is because of how much of a pain in the ass it is to get people to play it and, and how much <laughs> okay. of a pain in the ass it is to get the same people to play it because you really need to, because if you are teaching new people, you are playing a very basic game over and over again and the real meat of the game gets to go the more you play it. Uh, it also doesn't help that it's a one versus all game, which is a little bit hard to to get because you pretty much I will always be the one player, which is not always fun, but it's a deduction game, which I have forced you to play one time and you're nodding your head there. You haven't <laughs> you haven't seen the you haven't seen the greatness of this game yet, but it's called Tragedy Looper. I thought it was okay. I'd, like, I'd play it again. You only saw the very basic introduction game, which is really just a way to see how it goes. And the game is so simple, you know, like, here, we're going to put some cards out, we're going to flip them, and some actions might happen. And the one player, the mastermind, they have to be so vague, and you guys just have these little sheets in front of you trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And... Like I said, you guys saw the introduction version, which is super simple. It's it, it was Su super simple. We lost horribly, if I remember correctly. <laughs> you you guys lost horribly because well, you you were on the comp I believe Jim was playing. The, he was like on the right path. You were on the wrong path, and then you were like, okay, let's just do this. And I'm like, you guys like had this thing going. You you sidetracked it so badly. <laughs> Blame it on me. But but you guys you guys had the concept down and like the the games that are are further along than that, they slowly build up to like this crazy high tension there. And it's it's like a real game of wits there and it it that's why it's not in my top ten right now. Uh as far as game designs it is, but it's just so hard to get people up to that level where where you're really having those battles and there's so many different expansions and scenarios for this game. I think there's like 30 to 40 right now. And usually I can only get people to go to maybe like one or two. So it's a game that I wish I could play so much more cause it's so good, but it's so hard to get people to do it. And it's, it's such a shame cause it is probably one of the most unique games that I own. It, it was definitely different. And that's what I like about him. I like I like something a little unique every now and then. Yep. So that's my twenty five tragedy looper. All right, my number twenty four is yet another worker placement game. This one was put out by CGE in twenty twelve, um, designed by Simone Luciani, Danielle Tassini. This is called Zolkin: The Mayan Calendar. 
I was actually looking at this game yesterday down at the store. I want to get this one and teach it to Kim. Zulkin has a very interesting mechanism in the game is that you're putting your workers onto these gears, which are shifting each round, um, kind of like turning, kind of like showing the turning of time. And um, at the end of each round, you're going to turn it. The longer you let your workers sit on there, the more resources or depending on the gear that they're on, the more you're going to be able to obtain of the gear that you're on. Um, very, very fun game. I've seen people really pimp out this game in that they've painted these plastic gears that are on the board that sit there and that you're turning each round, um, which makes the game look outstanding. But, uh, the first time I played it, we played with the expansion, uh, probably the only way I would play the game. I think the expansion adds just a little bit more to the game where I think each person has a specialty that their, um, civilization kind of, um, does during the game and that they can get points for something you want to concentrate in. I don't know what else the expansion all added to it, but I think we used it and it didn't seem like it made the game any more difficult to learn. Um, the several times I've played it, I think we've always played with that, but um, I just really like the look of the game is really cool. And then, like I said, the mechanism of putting your workers on the board and then removing them later on to be able to collect your resources for, you know, how long they've been sitting there. Uh, you have different tracks that you're trying to work your way up to as well on the side of the board um, for additional scoring uh, components as well. Uh, excellent, excellent worker placement game. A little bit older, but still, um, I think, holds up quite well to newer games. And that's Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. Eric, what is your number 24? My number 24 is definitely a lot lighter than Zolkin was. I don't think Zolkin's too, too heavy. It's those gears are a pain in the ass the first time, which is one of the, one of those reasons why I'm not too big on that game because I was like, "Damn it, dude, my head's hurting after this one, and it shouldn't." <laughs> um, see, I I love that stuff. Yeah, see, it's okay every now and then, but not when you're having a really long day at work and then play. Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, so my twenty four is an area control game, which probably one of my favorite mechanisms area control area majority and this one is on the lighter side but i believe it replaced ticket to ride in my opinion even though it's not an area control game but has similar mechanisms and this is called ethnos this is one yeah it's it's definitely a super ugly game so it's really not anything that's going to catch anyone's eye but Anytime I've gotten someone to play this one, they're like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. And then I know my brother, he enjoyed it. He's a real big Ticket to Ride fan. And I think this one kind of takes the same thing where like, oh, hey, do you want to draft a card? Or do you want to play cards? You know, same concept there. But, you know, the area control aspect and the whole playing bands aspect where, you know, there's different ways to score points at the end of each round. I thought it gave a good a good uh, decision tree where, you know, hey, do I want to control this area right now because it's not worth a lot of points? Do I want to get a lot of points by playing uh, a larger band? Do I want to, like, you know, prepare for later on in the game when people are going to be screwed out of getting some of these points? And just the different powers that you can vary each game, six out of 12 different powers in each game, it, it, it brought such a good mix for a simple game with a lot of decisions and it was it's been one of the better gateway-ish games that i've found in a long time 
despite it being very ugly. And I, te I tend to like this designer's games uh, because I noticed I have a few of them. So it was definitely I did. Was that released at Gen Con last year? Uh, I think it was before that, but was it before that? I can't remember because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of hype around the game and it was very popular. Yeah, and I, I think that hype died down, and, but I, I still think it's a really solid game. I, I like no hype ever, no game ever lives up to the hype. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very so hard to. you got to you got to take it with uh, with a grain of salt. But if you're saying like, hey, if you want a really good area control game that's light, it's probably one of the better ones I've seen in a while. So that's twenty four right. ethnos. All right, my number 23 is a game from 2016, made my top 10, um, is an, is from Portal Games, designed by Ignacy Trevichek. Uh, it's kind of an engine-building style card game. 51st State, the Master Edition, Master Set. Um, they have an expansion that came out called Scavengers, which added, I think, a little to the game. Um, the expansion's definitely not necessary to enjoy this game. I think the base game alone, uh, which actually comes with that master set comes with two expansions that were in the, that had been released for the original first 51st state. Um, but I think as far as engine builders go with cards, uh, I really enjoy this game. There is um, some take that in this one, um, but one that it's, I mean, the first couple times I played this game, I was like, okay, I really like this. And then the more I played it, the more I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, and adding in the expansions, it does add in a few different um, things and mechanisms to the game. Just very, very light things. Um, but the cards do change um, the playability of the game a little bit and let you makes you think 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 about things a little differently. Um, but as far as engine builders go, I really like um, what this game actually does and what you're doing. Uh, there's definitely several different routes you can take in playing the game and what you want to concentrate in. So. 51st State from Portal Games, definitely one um, to check out if you have not played it yet and if you do like engine builders based off of cards. Yeah, it's a good game, but it's a little dry. Just yeah, a little, I could see that. A little, a little bit dry, so I, I, I liked it. I, we we got to play it again sometime because once you learn it, it, it goes pretty quick. Yes. So that was kind of nice about it. But Okay. We're up to 23 now for me. Yes, Eric, what is your number 23? My 23 is another crossover, coincidentally, no. that, that you mentioned today. Oh, boy. Coincidentally, that Dave really loves and his, his favorite game called Champions of Midgard. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't get far too much into it, but yes, uh, this game got better with the expansions. Yeah, we did the whole Champions versus Lords of Waterdeep thing, and I think... Champions is a little bit better, and with the expansions for both games, they're two separate games now. They're not really the same thing, where people like to compare them all. They're two different games with similar mechanisms, but I like DICE a little bit more. I kind of like that feeling of randomness and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get rid of that randomness the best way possible. I thought it's a really fun game. I, I like the art style a little bit better than Lords of Waterdeep and the whole concepts. I know I kickstarted the expansion, so I got some 
fancy stuff in there. I got a nice play mat that makes it look really sweet and yeah, that mat all is this, nice. All this good stuff. So, so that that's not too much into the gameplay since you talked about it before, but it's probably one of my favorite worker placement games, if not my favorite, because I don't know if any of the ones further up the list count as them or not off the top of my head, but we will see. All right, my number 22, as we round out the top of this list, we'll have one more after this one. My number 22 is a game that is um, I played the second edition of that came out last year in 2017. This one made my top 10. It was published by Capstone Games, designed by Alexander Humer. This is a little game where you are logging and playing a lumber mill, or running a lumber mill, and it is called Lignum. I had first played this game back at um, Origins last year, and um, instantly picked it up from Capstone Games at that time and was just completely enamored with it. I thought it was just a very, very fun worker placement game. This is definitely on the heavier side. And um, I really like the way your workers are moving around the board, uh, taking different actions. And um, one of the things that was very interesting in the game is trying to forecast out um, ahead a couple of seasons and trying to figure out what you will be doing, what you will want to be doing in one of the later seasons of the game. And then trying to actually do that at that point in time. Um, and it's easy to not be prepared to do that at that point in time. So um, very good game. Like I said, a little bit on the heavier side. That is called Lignum. All right, Eric, we are to your number 22. My number 22 is a game that you and I both pre-ordered last year. That is a simple game, but I've had a lot of fun playing it. And it's called Century Spice Road. And the reason I like this game, I do, I do like games where you're converting stuff here and there. And it's such a simple family game where you're just trying to sit there and race each other to get a certain amount of cards done. And you're just trying to get as many points as you can. It's a simple game. It goes so fast, maybe 20 to 30 minutes, even with a full player count. It's got great production values. I have enjoyed the play mat that uh, we got with it. The cubes are really nice. The, the whole bowls that come with the game and the metal coins. It's a really solid production for a cheaper price. And I think it's been a great family game that I think everyone should try out at least once. So I won't go too much into it, but that's my number 22, Century Spice Road. All right. We are on our last game of the day. And mine is a small card game, a little bit of a difference from some of the games I've been talking about recently. A little, little card game that was published by TMG, designed by Darwin Castle. It is called Cthulhu Realms. This was one of the early deck builders that Kim and I had actually played, and we played this one a lot. We really enjoy it. It's a very simple deck builder. Um, I think I've talked about this game on the podcast before, so I won't go into too, too much details on it. Um, but if you do like deck builders, if you like Cthulhu as a theme, it's definitely one to look at. It plays, um, it's kind of based off of Star Realms, which is only two players, I believe. Cthulhu Realms does let you play up to four, but Cthulhu Realms plays excellent and superbly at two players, which is how we've mainly played it. I have tried it at the higher levels or the higher player counts, and it plays fine. Um, 
But Cthulhu Realms is just a really, really fun uh, deck builder that we really enjoy. My number 21, the final game of today, is a game you have mentioned already called Clank. And we know I really love deck building games. The whole concept of pushing your luck, going down into the dungeon, trying to get as many different treasures as everyone can, and the whole dragon attacking thing. It brings a lot of tension when people actually get into it. I know I've had some games where people just play it really slow and don't make it as fun, but when people are all really trying to play as fast-paced as possible, it gets really enjoyable and all the tension really ramps up. I've pushed my luck too many times in this game where that dragon is killing me and I can't wait to play it again and again whenever I do play it. I've still yet to play with the expansions, the the sunken treasures, the mummy's curse, so I'll have that eventually. I've played in space, which is not too different from the irregular version. I'm not sure which one I like better yet because I have not played space as much. Um, they pretty much give the same basic thing, but with just a little bit different ideas. And every every game of this I've played, it's been it's been really hectic, at least I, on my part. And that's something I really enjoy the deck building. It's not the best deck building game um, when it comes to pure deck building but the addition of the board really makes it such a good one and that's one of the reasons I really love it just what can you guys do and how can you maybe screw over people by you know buying cards letting the dragon attack and just get, getting this stuff before everyone else can so it's been a really fun game that's my number 21 clank and that's my final game of today. Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I would like to thank you for joining us for episode 199 of the podcast. As always, you can send us some emails. Let us know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. We appreciate some of the feedback that we have been getting lately, and we are definitely listening to what everybody is saying. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild over there. Guild number 2440 is the number on BoardGameGeek. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. On Twitch, you can subscribe to us there. Twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. You can also subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let us know what you're playing now. We will be back next week with episode 200 of the podcast and we are really looking forward to recording that one and we hope everybody will join us for that. Until then, everybody, have a great week gaming. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. 